We are, as Taylor already mentioned, in the songs, the Psalms this summer. And as we hit Psalm 41 now, we have reached the end of the first book of Psalms. And many of you probably uh, think of the Psalms like I do usually as one big book in the Bible that takes up a a large section of the middle of the, the Bible. But in fact, this is a five volume series. The, the Psalms are five books that have been all put together. They're like hymnals. If you uh, grew up in a church that had the, those hymnals in the pews that you'd pull out and you'd flip. And so the, the Psalms are like that. It was like five of those. And so we have reached now the, the last of the first book. And so I'm, I'm excited about that because this has a great blessing right at the end. But you're going to have to wait all the way till the end for, before we get there. We're going to work through the psalm first before we get to the great blessing that concludes this first book. And one of the things that we'll see uh, as we look next week, the majority, almost all of the psalms in the first book of psalms are written by King David. And so next week we get to start looking at some psalms written by different people. But for now, thinking of this psalm that we just sang through, This one written by King David, I'd like to read it for you and just hear, having just sung it, hear how close the lyrics are that we sung to the the words of the Psalm of David. This is to the choir master, a Psalm of David. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words, while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say, a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. David is writing this, and as he's writing it, in the context, as you begin to read through, you see that David has some sin that he has in his life that he's dealing with, and he has some sickness in his life that he's dealing with, and he's crying out to the Lord, and he's praying to the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, you, you uphold those who are poor and needy. Or you uphold those who care for the poor and needy. Verse 1, blessed is the one who considers the poor. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. David's crying out and going, Lord, I know, I know that I have sin. And I know that I am sick, but I am the king of Israel. And by and large, I have been a just king. And the one who considers the poor and the needy is blessed in you. 
That's a, a principle that we see throughout the Scriptures. We see it in the wisdom literature, in the Proverbs. We see it here in, in Psalm 41 and in other Psalms. We see it in Jesus. That those who consider the poor are blessed of the Lord. The, the Lord cares for those who care for the poor and the needy. And I, I, I have to admit that as I first read this, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. And I think about, okay, what does that mean really to consider the poor? It, like to give attention and really care about. Then I look at myself and I go, do I really consider the poor? Am I, am I mindful of those who are in need? Aware of them? Thinking of them? Giving them my attention? Seeking in some way to help meet those needs, to provide for them. Is, is that really me? And, and I find that, that uh, to my shame, that isn't me often enough. I, I consider people's spiritual needs all the time. I comp- consider people's emotional needs often. But my awareness of the poor and those who are in physical need is just not what it ought to be. And so as I, I read this, I, I look at David and, and, and David is crying out and going, blessed is the one who considers the poor. Well, why are they blessed? He goes on, blessed is the one who considers the poor, because in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The, the Lord sees how we respond to those who are in need, and when we ourselves are in need, are delivered from our trouble. Isn't that a remarkable thing? And, and yet we see the, this principle often played out, that, that those who help people who are in need have lots of people around to help them when they are in need. Isn't that the case? Blessed is the one who considers the poor, because in the day of, the tr- of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. The Lord is, is watching out for them, pr- protecting them, caring for them, sheltering them. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. All, all of these ways that the Lord takes this person who is, is mindful of the poor, watching out for them, caring for them, trying to help them meet their needs and, and, and uh, care for them with great compassion, the Lord sees them and, and says, okay, I'm, I'm going to protect you. In fact, that's the way that they're able to do that in the first place, isn't it? Isn't it? They're not concerned about their own needs because they know that the Lord is taking care of their needs. And so they, then, they therefore, are then able to care for the needs of others. Make sure that everybody, as the Lord has blessed me, so I am blessing others, taking care of them. He is called blessed in the land, and you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. David is going, Lord, I, I know what kind of a God you are. 
You're the kind of God that cares for those who are in need. You are the kind of God who cares for those who cares for those who are in need. And God, I have been mindful of the poor and I have been mindful of those who are in need. And now, in my sickness, I am calling out to you. Would you be mindful of me? Would you be aware of my need? Because that's the kind of God you are. And I, I know, I know that even in, my, even in my sickness, you will lift me up. You will restore me to full health. I, I, I'm trusting in that hope. Because that is your character. And so then he has this prayer, right? So that, that first, those first three verses, he's just been listing, God, this is the hope that I have. Because this is your character. You take care of the person who is mindful of the poor. And now he, he uh, having laid that out, cries out in prayer, As for me, verse 4, As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Lord, please be gracious to me. Heal me. For I have sinned against you. David realizes that even though he has been a man who takes care of the poor and is mindful of them and is concerned about other people, he is not a perfect man. God, I I have this sin and, and he sees this connection between his sickness and his sin. And he's going, Lord, I, I have sinned against you. And am now sick and I'm asking, would you restore me? Would you restore me? And I, I know that there are people here who currently or in the past have been in a place where you have been sick and have been crying out to the Lord, Lord, would you restore me? Would you restore my health? Be gracious to me. Heal me, O Lord. He's putting all of his hope in the Lord. All of his trust because of the character, because of who the Lord is. He's going, Lord, I I know you. And so I'm crying out in prayer, would you heal me? And then in verse 5, we have this transition where he begins to contrast the, the types of characteristics that we have seen in this person who cares for the poor and the way that the Lord upholds that kind of a person. We have this contrast now in the next several verses, beginning in verse 5, with those who are against him. He says, verse 5, My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. Isn't that painful? While David is in his sickness, crying out to the Lord and going, Lord, I have been mindful of those who have been in need, and now I am in need. I am in physical pain. Lord, would you restore me to full health? And his enemies, meanwhile, are going, I wonder when he's going to die. Do you think that do you think he's going to die from this sickness? Because I'm really sick of that David guy. Maybe he maybe he won't recover from this. Isn't that an extreme contrast? That on the one hand he knows the character of the Lord is the one who restores him to full health, and on the other hand his enemies are going, "Oh, I hope he dies. That this will be the end of him." 
Even when the enemies come in and they talk with him and it seems like, oh, they have come to comfort him, but they just speak all of these words of deceit. And when one comes to see me, verse 6, he utters these empty words while his heart gathers iniquity and then he goes out and he talks about it. He can, oh, oh, David, David, I, I really hope that you get better soon. He just comes with these empty words that don't really mean anything. They're of no comfort to David because he knows the character of this man. Who's just coming and as he's standing there in David's presence and checking out to see, ah, yeah, he's not dead yet. Getting close maybe, but we're not there. And he's just gathering this iniquity so that when he goes out, he's just talking about it. Telling people about it. All who hate me whisper together about me. Uh, after he goes out, he then goes out, uh, goes, after he goes out from being with David, he comes and he whispers amongst all of the friends. Just these whispers. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say, a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Now, there are those people that, for whatever reason, you just you got off on the wrong foot and never seemed to recover, and they just seemed to not like you from the beginning. And it just seems like no matter what you do, they just are always against you. Never on your team. But then you have the ones that they're your friends and they, they, they come and they spend time with you and they celebrate with you and you celebrate with them and you talk with them and they are a close confidant. And then at some point they just sort of turn away from you or turn against you. And the, the betrayal of that is just painful. That here was this person that you sat and you ate bread together, you, you shared meals together and encouraged one another and were, were partners together, working together, and then it just, they lift their heel against you. And, and that, that imagery may not seem real clear. What does it mean they lift their heel against you? But just... That's not good. There, there are very few times when somebody raises their heel against you that you go, I think something good is going to come from this. While he's down and in his sickness, this person who used to be his friend, who he would expect, who he would expect to now come and comfort him and encourage him, instead comes and raises his heel against him. And as I'm thinking about David and his life and the things that he dealt with, I, I think about toward the end of his life. I don't know that this is the context of this psalm, but this psalm causes me to think of that. Toward the end of his life, as, as uh, his sons are, are waiting around for him to die so that they can take over the throne. And some of his close friends beginning to ally, ally with his sons. And the pain of that. 
And some of you have had that kind of betrayal before. Where you were with this person, they were a friend of yours, and then something happened. Maybe you knew what it was, maybe you didn't know what it was, and they just turned on you and became an enemy. And it would have been easier if you'd just never been friends to begin with, but because you had had that friendship and that history before, now the pain of that betrayal is right there. And David is saying, God, this is, this is what's happening with my enemies and those who are against me. But now he cries out for prayer again. Right? So the first three verses, he lists the kind of character that God has and the way that God responds to those who, who, um, Consider the poor. And then he cries out in prayer in verse 4. Then we have these verses 5 through 9 where he talks about the contrast then between uh, the Lord and now the enemies and the way that they have been responding to him. And now he finishes in verse 10 with prayer again. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me. Be gracious to me. They are out against me. They're speaking about me. They're wishing that I would die, hoping that I would die, conspiring with one another and whispering behind my back. But you, O Lord, would you raise me up and be gracious to me? And then he says that I may repay them. And my sensitive heart goes, whoa, time out. That's why you want to be raised up? Come on, David. I thought you were supposed to be a godly man. You want to be raised up so that you can repay them? But when I begin to think about who David was, he, David's the king of Israel. Right? If I have somebody that slights me or annoys me or does something that, to injure me, I'm frustrated about it. And if I ask God, God, would you raise me up so that I might smite them? There's probably sin in my heart. David is a just man. He's a just king. He's been considering those who are poor. He's been considering those who are needy. He's been watching out for all of his people. And as the king in his sickness, now we have these treasonous people who are hoping that he will die. They are not only against David the individual, they are against David the king of Israel, God's representative for his people. And in that he's saying, Lord, would you restore me so that I might restore justice and order in the land? God, would you restore me, raise, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them so that the things that they are wishing against me might not come true and that I may continue to rule. By this I know, verse 11, and by this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. To me, that, that is such an amazing prayer. Considering that in verse 4 he prayed, O oh Lord, be gracious to me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. David knows. He's confessing his sin to the Lord. He knows his sin. And yet, in verse 
verses uh, 10 through 12, he says, But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity. Because of the Lord's graciousness to David, even in his sin and sickness, his integrity is not lost. That is of great comfort to me. It's of great comfort to me. Because I am not always walking in integrity as I desire to. And yet I know that when I walk with the Lord, I get to stand in integrity in His presence. Because He's gracious to me. And so David can say, can you respond to me in my integrity? Even though I have this sin, even though I have this sickness, Lord, I stand in your presence, in your integrity, because of your graciousness toward me. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. That is quite the claim. That while his enemies are uh, conspiring against him and whispering about his demise, David is saying, but you, Lord, have raised me up and established me and placed me in your presence in integrity forever. Forever. This is why he has that confidence. First First Chronicles 17. Now, therefore... Thus you shall say to my servant David. So the Lord is speaking to the prophet Nathan to speak to David. Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I will declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forevermore. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. This was the promise that the Lord gave to David. 
David, I am going to establish you and your household forever. So that when David is writing these psalms and is crying out to the Lord that he might be restored from his health, that he might bring justice again in the land, he has every expectation that the Lord is going to raise him up in integrity in his presence and is going to continue that faithfulness to him and to his family forever. Because that is the character of the Lord. In fact, if we go back to Psalm 40, the way that Psalm 40 ends, and we look, just we read this at the beginning of the service, if you were paying really close attention and going, I bet that this is going to come up later, then you probably already noticed this. But, but just in case you, you weren't paying quite that close of attention. In Psalm 40, verse 16, it says, But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. That's how Psalm 40 ended. Psalm 40 ended with David crying out to the Lord and going, Lord, I know you and I know your character. You are the one who is mindful of me. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me because you are my help and my deliverer. The Lord takes thought for me, has consideration for me, the one who is poor and needy. David is the king of Israel and yet recognizes that before God, he is poor and needy and God is the kind of God who responds to the poor and needy because he is mindful of them, because he considers them. Where have we heard that before? Verse 1 of Psalm 41 So if you're reading the Psalms in order and you don't just pick and choose this Psalm and then this Psalm and then that Psalm, but you read Psalm 40 and you go right into verse uh, 1 of Psalm 41, then what happens is you finish verse uh, chapter 40, As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. And you go straight into, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. And when you take it in that context, it almost twists the whole thing over. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Blessed is the Lord who considers the poor. I am poor in your presence. Help me, O Lord, because I am poor and needy. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Because in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him. The Lord keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. The Lord does these things. We do them and are blessed when we do them because it is the character of the Lord and he does them. We are mindful of the poor and the needy because the Lord is already mindful of the poor and the needy. And he upholds both Recognizing that in his presence, in, his, in light of who he is, both stand poor and needy before him. So that David cries out, as for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? 
And when one comes to me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. Then when he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me and they imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. And even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Now, as we are reading this in the context of, of thinking of it in the perspective of the Lord, what we recognize is that this is a description of Jesus. Not just David, who has these enemies who are against him, that he's praying, Lord, would you help me when these enemies against him? But Jesus himself, as you read these same verses, verses 5 through 9, you just see those who are maliciously against him, those who are waiting for him to die, those who are uttering empty words against him and gathering iniquity about him and talking about it amongst all the others. They're whispering about him and imagining the worst of him. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him that he will not rise again and even his closest friend in whom he trusted who ate his bread has lifted his heel against him. We see this in John chapter 13. That Jesus, in preparing to go to the cross, at the Last Supper, while sitting with his 12 closest friends and is washing their feet, it says in, in John chapter 13, verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, saying, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you, will betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Peter, Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Their expectation 
was that Jesus had just served them, those who were poor and needy. He had just served them and cared for them. And even in the midst of him, of him telling them of this scripture, that him who eats my bread will betray me, my closest friend, and taking the bread and dipping it and handing it to Judas when they said, who's going to betray you? This guy. What you're going to do, go do that quickly. You're going to betray me. Go, just go and get it done. And everybody sitting there went, maybe Judas is supposed to go take care of the poor. We know that we are called to help those who are poor and needy. And Jesus stepped into the place where he could do that for everyone. All who would receive him will be saved and raised up into integrity in His presence forevermore. So that when we conclude Psalm 41 and we finish with verse 13, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, Amen and Amen. David's crying out going, Lord, I know that You respond to those who in their integrity stand before you and you care for them and you lift them up. And we, having now seen this in the context of how God has actually done this through Jesus who came to die for our sins and lift us up in integrity before Him, now come to the end of this psalm seeing the character of God and cannot help but say, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. From the time that the world began until forevermore, God has always been in this place where He cares for us and lifts us up in our need. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. And he ends this book of Psalms, this first book of Psalms, Amen, Amen, yes may it be so, yes may it be so, praise the Lord. And now we get to sing and praise Him in the same way. Let's go to Him in prayer. Our Father, You are great, great beyond understanding. But Lord, even what we can see, we know that You are gracious and loving. And that when we cry out to You, You hear us and respond and lift us up in our integrity. Father, You lift us up in our integrity not because of our own righteousness, but despite our sin. You have made us righteous in Christ. And now we stand before you and anticipate standing in your presence in this righteousness and integrity forevermore. And for that we praise you. And ask that you would receive our praises as we lift them up. In Jesus' name, amen.